This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of September 17th. I'm your host, William Liu. Um, we are one week away from real basketball news. Kawhi Leonard is going to be introduced finally to the Raptors uh, on September 21st, which I think is Friday. Uh, and then the Raptors are going to have their media day the following week, either on Monday or Tuesday. I'm not exactly sure right now. Um, so we're going to have real, real honest to goodness Raptors news and we can end speculation and we can sort of actually talk about what people are talking about, you know, see some footage from practice, things like that. But uh, as of right now, this is probably going to be the last week where it's just going to be one of these filler pods. And um, I'm flying solo today. Uh, couldn't get anyone for this. And uh, yeah, so I'm relying on your help. You know, we're going to empty out the mailbag once again. Not going to lie, most of the questions are a little bit similar. Uh, a lot of them have to focus on Jimmy Butler, so uh, we can get to that you know, when we get to that. But uh, as always, you can hit us up at Raptors Republic. That's uh, where we're going to take your questions. So first one from Bapinder. If uh, Kawhi leaves and Giannis and Nenekumbo is a free agent in 2020, what do we do for a year with our cap space? Why would Giannis want to come to Toronto if we do not have Kawhi? Um, I think the Giannis angle to the Raptors is largely through Masai Ujiri. Um, they have history dating back more than a decade. Um, you know, when Giannis is coming up as a prospect, um, or sorry, when Giannis is, I think when he was coming up through a, as a prospect, whatever, but um, Masai helped him and his family, um, you know, attain some visas to, to go to Greece and things like that. And, you know, it helped further his career a little bit. Um, obviously it didn't really fully blow up until he got to the NBA because he was still playing, you know, Division II Greece basketball. So it's not like Masai, you know, was the one that gave Giannis a start or anything like that. I don't think it's that serious, but there's clearly a connection there. You know, um, Giannis is Greek, but, uh, you know, his parents are Nigerian. Masai is Nigerian. Um, I think that's probably the basis of the Giannis speculation. By the way, Giannis is a free agent in 2021. Um, and that year the Raptors have pretty much no contracts on the books except for Norm, who has a player option, which, you know, at this rate he's probably going to pick up. But, um, yeah, so it's very, very difficult to envision what the team's going to look like by 2021. But uh, I think the Giannis speculation is just is just that, right? So I, I don't know about what that has to do with Kawhi or anything like that. If Giannis likes the Raptors enough, if he likes Masai enough, if he likes um, – the fact that Toronto is a much more multicultural city than um, Milwaukee, and it's probably a little bit closer to home for him as someone who, you know, is an American. You know, he's from abroad. Usually, people from abroad are um, more open to places that are more open, whereas people from the states usually tend to be 
a little bit more insular and they might not like being in another country, but Giannis obviously isn't like that. And so I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with Kawhi. And I think the Raptors have to focus on Kawhi right now and then think about Giannis years down the line. And I think the Giannis stuff is already prepared because most of the Raptors are not under contract at that point. So you don't have to worry about cap room. Um, it's just right now they got to worry about Kawhi. This upcoming season is about, you know, making it to the NBA Finals and, uh, you know, keeping Kawhi. And, you know, that's that's where it is at. Next one, also from Pinder. How much would it take for you to buy into Kawhi Leonard buying a home in Toronto and the meaning that could be behind it? So um, there was a report that came out. I forget who the guy was. I don't really recognize the guy, but whatever, you know. Some Kawhi news, you just take it at face value, I guess. Um, but the guy said that Kawhi had purchased the house. And I think a lot of other realtors who are in the comments of that, because that tweet went super viral, um, a lot of other realtors who have access to these databases, I guess, um, they confirmed that, yes, Kawhi did buy a house. Obviously, they didn't say where he bought it. I'm sure some people already know, but I don't know. And I don't really want to say where he lives. It's kind of creepy. But, yeah, Kawhi bought a house in Toronto. So how much to buy into that? I think... For one thing, I think it's a positive. Um, it's just how much of it is a positive because you got to think of it as he's obviously rich enough. The Toronto housing market is obviously strong enough. I mean, you know, <laughs> it might be even difficult for some NBA type players to buy houses in Toronto. It's it's really that crazy. But uh, obviously, Kawhi is coming off, you know, a year where he got paid like eighteen million dollars. I think he's going to be okay for him. Um, it's not like a Fred Van Leet, Lorenzo Brown situation. Um, those guys probably got to, you know, rent or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think with Kawhi, like, yeah, if you're going to live here, you might as well not pay rent. You might as well just buy the house outright. And there's a good, you know, opportunity later down the line to flip that house, you know, like, hey, this is the house Kawhi lived in, you know, like, mm, you know, maybe that's a positive, maybe it's not, who knows. But regardless, like, property in Toronto is going to hold value. And so, um, from that perspective, yes, you could just say it's purely a financial one. But I also think that, like, look, it's just another thing that he might have to say no to, right? Because we know Kawhi's a, a family guy, right? Like, he's a guy who, you know, he's he's got a young daughter. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's in a relationship, things like that. Like, he probably wants to stabilize those things, have a place where, you know, when his mom comes over and stuff like that. Like, he doesn't want to put them all into this little condo. In you know over Maple Leaf Square, it's not really like a homey situation, right? I mean, it's more for when you're, you know, younger and single, I guess. And you know, he's still young, but I mean, he clearly has a lot of people in his life right now, so it's more probably more comfortable for him to be in a house. And like later down the line, when he has to make this free agency decision, it's just another thing he has to turn out. He's not going to stay here just to stay in this house. I, that would be kind of crazy, but um, still, it's another thing, right? You, you see, like this is this is does his family feel comfortable in this house? Do they, do they feel some sort of attachment? And like, that's all positive, right? It's better than renting because renting, whatever you, you just stop paying the lease and you, you, you leave. Like it's, it's not too much attachment to that, but if you actually live in the house, you should own the house, stuff like that. Like, you know, years down the next year when he has to make this decision, I think it comes into play as a very, very small factor. And look, bottom line is he could always flip the house and, at least avoid paying rent and stuff like that. So I think it was a solid financial decision that, you know, could have a little bit more upside beyond that. But um, good for Kawhi, man. I, you know, you, you probably have to be on Kawhi Leonard's level to buy a house in Toronto, but still. Must be nice. Must be nice to own property. Uh, right. 
finally, we finally hit the first Jimmy Butler question. This one from Sanjay. Um, what trade involving Butler and Ibaka is the best Masai can offer that Minnesota would accept? Okay, so I think it's, we're getting a little bit skewed here because the reason Ibaka gets put into all these trades is because that's probably the deal that makes the most sense in terms of um, what they might need and what they might accept and also what might work financially. Um, so Jimmy Butler makes $20 million in this upcoming season and has a $20 million player option for 2020 that he's obviously going to turn down and become a free agent. Um, but, you know, in order to match that salary, the Raptors basically have one or two ways to go about it, right? They can either, well, three ways, really. I mean, you could put in Kyle Lowry's contract. It's $30 million. You got to take, you, could, you know, you got to take back some more money, um, to, to ship that out. But still, you know, that's one possible path. But, um... The other two more realistic ones is maybe you move JV, who's making like 17 to 18. I'm not quite sure the exact number. Or you move Ibaka, who's making 21, right? And so both those two guys can probably get back the, the amount of money that is necessary to make a deal like this happen. Um, the reason I guess Ibaka over JV is because obviously I think everyone knows that JV is probably more important to this team than Ibaka is in this coming season. He's obviously way more liked than Ibaka is, who... No one really likes him. It's kind of sad. Ibaka has to retweet people that that like his food show. That's it's it's, it's really funny. Um, but also, it's it's a, it's a fit thing, right? Like if they're going to commit to Carlton Towns long term, it doesn't really make sense to take back another pure center uh, like JV. Right? Um, it makes more sense to ship out Ibaka, who can theoretically still play power forward. He, I mean, I mean theoretically, he could play power forward. He's better at center. Um. So in terms of what realistic trade, if you're putting Ibaka in the deal, I think even the Timberwolves would know that, hey, this is not a positive asset. You got to throw on an extra asset. So you might just have to think about what is the fair price for Butler in this last year, right? One year of Butler. So if you look at what the Timberwolves paid um, for two years of Butler. So last year, the, the Timberwolves traded for Butler at the NBA draft. Um they shipped out Chris Dunn, who was the fourth pick, but wasn't very promising as a rookie. In fact, he was kind of really disappointing. And so, who knows if people were high on him or whatever? I'm not quite sure, but he just wasn't that great. Still, number four pick. Um, they shipped out Zach Levine, who was on an ACL injury at that time, but still, Levine had a nice year that year. Advanced metrics didn't really like him, but kind of like that the Rosen situation um but I mean the guy who was clearly talented he could clearly score and was very marketable I mean he was averaging 20 points a game and he had an ACL injury so I was not quite sure how much value that specific asset had although you know this summer the Bulls gave him 80 million dollars so clearly they got they valued him to, to a large degree and then they also gave him the seventh pick which turned into Laurie Markin and and I think um that trade happened early enough in the draft, but they didn't quite know specifically they were going to get Markinen, but still, that turned out to be a really good pick. I think that Markinen is the most valuable of those three assets. So you look at that deal, right? There's one okay prospect, or I'd say good prospect, okay? Chris Dunn wasn't productive as a rookie, wasn't that great last year either, although he took some steps forward. Still very inefficient, but um, so one good prospect, one great pick. Seventh pick, I would say, is pretty good is great. Um, and you know, a, if he starter potentially, 
in Levine. So that's not actually that much. The Raptors have that much to offer. They obviously can't offer that pick because they're going to be too good next season to offer something like that. But the Raptors do have prospects that they can offer. Like if they threw in someone like, um, if they threw in someone like Van Vliet, right? Like you have two years on that deal. Um, you can't trade Van Vliet until later on in the season, I think December, because he was re-signed with bird rights. But, um, either December or January, it doesn't quite matter, but still, like, Van Vliet, I would say, is a better asset than Chris Dunn was, because Chris Dunn was not that great, um, and I think Van Vliet has shown a lot more than Chris Dunn has at this level for a successful team, um, and you can't give a Markkinen, but let's say you give up Siakam, Siakam's probably at the same prospect value as Markkinen, right, and at that point, you're already two-thirds of the way to that deal that was for two years of Butler, and so, I, I don't really see, like, if you also throw in a future pick, which would be difficult because the Raptors don't have their twenty-eight or 2019 pick because they traded it um, in that Kawhi deal. But you can trade a pick swap in 2020 if you want to. Um, I'm not sure how much Minnesota is going to be able to use that quick pick swap because they're probably worse than Toronto in 2020. But still, maybe that's something you can throw in. Or maybe 2021 pick. You trade one pick way down the line. Um, that's probably pretty close to what Butler fetched in the first place. Now, granted, maybe another team comes in and swoops in and gets something better, right? Like, if you're the Lakers at this point, you're seeing Paul George on the board, you know, you're, you're talking about, hey, man, Paul George is going to come to us when he's a free agent, and then he gets traded somewhere else, and he stays there, and then you're like, all right, well, still, we can get Kawhi, it's fine, we can get Kawhi, and Kawhi gets traded somewhere else, and, you know, Kawhi's buying a house there. It's like, all right, well, maybe we don't get Kawhi now. Are you going to sit still and just watch Butler walk, too? Like, it's hard to say, right? So maybe if you're a team like the Lakers, maybe you swoop in there and you make a deal of your own. You know, maybe you throw in someone like Kyle Kuzma, who advanced stats Twitter has some beef with Kyle Kuzma, but I, I just, I think Kyle Kuzma's a nice player. I think he's, you know, clearly he could really score. Um, you know, he had a hot and cold stretches last season, but you could expect that out of a rookie. But still, he's a nice player. He averaged like 16 points a game last year, like, it's a nice player, and he, he would fit nicely in Minnesota. I mean, he can't play defense, but, you know, whatever. He scores really well at a position they could really use at the four. Um, and maybe you throw in other pieces, right? They Maybe you throw in their pick, right? They got some extra picks, actually, they can to move around and stuff like that. So um, maybe you top that, right? So I think in that perspective, like, yeah, I don't really think that um, you can quite put a – a package, package together that's going to be the best package. Now, granted, it doesn't have to be the best package, right? Like, when we talked about the the Kawhi thing, like, we didn't think that DeRozan plus Pirtle plus a protected pick that's lottery protected is going to be the best package. I thought they could do way better than that, right? We were thinking of, like, wow, maybe Philadelphia throws in, you know, Markel Fultz, who was, you know, granted, obviously has his shooting issues to go through, and it's a pretty big mental hurdle, but still, I mean, the number one pick. Um or maybe the Lakers throwing Ingram and whatever other Lonzo or something like that. And, you know, like, okay, that's a nice package. I didn't think they would take the Raptors package. And they end up taking it. So it doesn't have to be the best package. It has to just be the best offer at the best time. And so I wouldn't say it's not possible. But I, I just think that the Raptors package is not unrealistic as compared to what Butler fetched in the first place. So I just don't think that they necessarily have the best one right now. And always, you, you always got to worry about this, the Celtics, man. I mean, God damn it. The Celtics got Butler. Like, that that would just be so gross. But it seems like the Celtics are pretty committed to keeping their core and growing with their young players, which is not a bad idea. All right. Next one from Benjamin. How many major members of the team 
and by that he means coaching staff, roster, and management, will be here in five years. Um, I think I think Masai will still be here in five years. I think he will still be here in five years. Um, and if Masai does leave, I don't think he's leaving for another NBA job. I think he's just leaving for something bigger, whether that's a charitable effort within the NBA or something beyond that. I mean, he clearly has bigger ambitions in life. And I wouldn't say it's ambitions. I just think his heart is too big to consistently do something like basketball, which obviously loves basketball and everything like that. It's his business. It's his life. But I just think that, like, you know, he has... He has a very kind heart, and I think there's a limit to how much impact um, you can do with basketball. I think he's already maximizing that at the moment. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I could still see Masai doing this for five years, man. I think MLSC is at a point where Masai has done such a good job, and they keep giving him raises and new titles and stuff like that, more power, um, more time to do his charities and stuff like that. Like, yeah, why, why would you not um, keep him here? And I think he would still be here at that time. I think... Um, maybe some members of his organization get poached. Um, I think Bobby Webster had a huge, uh, a huge hand in the Kawhi deal, especially since Masai was overseas and, um, you know, Bobby was the point man. I mean, Masai even said that on this week's, uh, Woj pod, which I got really excited for. And then I got, felt really dumb because Masai didn't really say too much that we didn't already know, but you know, whatever, that's his prerogative. Um, but I mean, yeah, Bobby had a big hand in, and, and, and running point for that, uh, you know, in talks with the Spurs. And that's a nice feather to put in your cap, especially if Kawhi stays, you know. And then you think, wow, that trade is great because what the Raptors gave up versus what Kawhi could be long term, you take Kawhi, obviously, right? So um, I think Bobby's a name to watch for. I think we've already seen the Raptors um, have people poaching the organization. Um, and that's at all levels, right? Like the Raptors get a guy like Jesse Mermis and eventually he leaves to be the lead assistant in Los Angeles. And, you know, the Raptors get a guy like Jerry Stackhouse and he wins a G League title, goes back to the finals the next year with a completely different team. And he's up for head coaching jobs. And eventually he takes a lead job in Memphis. And you could definitely see Memphis changing coaches soon. So there's a good path for him to move into the main spot there. You see, obviously, Jeff Weltman going to Orlando and somehow the Raptors finessing a second round pick out of that. I don't really know how that happened because he got a promotion. And so that's usually industry-wise, like, you're usually allowed to just leave. You don't need compensation. But still, the Raptors got a second-round pick for uh, an assistant GM, so that's cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could see them eventually following that same path with uh, Bobby because, look, when you're a successful organization, like, teams end up coming to you. Like, you're more attractive. Um, you know, you see that happen with the Warriors. You see that happen, obviously, with the Spurs, right? Like half the league is, like, former Spurs guys. So, um, in terms of roster, I think... The guy that I think will probably... The two guys that you think will be here forever is Pascal and OG. I think those two guys... um, The Raptors, especially under Masai... I think Masai specifically, I guess, um, has a long track record of re-signing the assets that he has, especially the guys that he drafts. You just see it. He always signs these guys as second contracts. Um, And sometimes it doesn't work out. Like, you know, Norm is... Uh, very close to not working out, but I mean, even JaVale McGee, that didn't, that shit didn't work out. Um, but you know, like that's Masai's MO. Like, he wants to keep his assets and when they become restricted free agents, you could bet your ass that they're going to re-sign OG and they're going to re-sign Fred or not Fred. Well, they already re-signed Fred. Um, but, uh, see, so those are two guys, the rest of them, it's hard to say. NBA contracts aren't very long nowadays. So five years is a long time. 
Uh, and then in terms of the coaching staff, I don't know. None of them. I'm not going to lie. None of them. Right? Like, I, I don't know if Nick Nurse is going to be the kind of guy that stays here five years. I, I don't. Especially if the Raptors have championship expectations. Maybe not necessarily this year, but the year after if Kawhi stays. I mean, like, who knows? Oh, maybe J- Jeremy Castleberry, actually. <laughs> if, if Kawhi stays, then Jeremy Castleberry definitely on the coaching staff in five years. Um, next one from Duncan. What superstar is most likely to be traded this upcoming season? Uh, okay, so obviously, you know, we've been talking about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is meeting with management to discuss uh, the direction of the team and the future. He's turned down an extension with the team. Now, partially that's financial, but partially that also speaks to that, uh, that he might be unhappy, especially now that he's talking to the team. And also, you know, this guy's been in Europe for like the whole summer he's visited every single country in europe this man is in more european nations than angela merkel like he is everywhere just look at his instagram like every part of europe he's going to man i'm you know like um yeah i don't even think he's back yet i still think he's taking gondola photos with you know psg on his on his back which shout out the new psg gear it looks really great um so i think yeah butler is definitely the guy that's to, to watch for this season. Um, I also think that Kevin Love could be moved. I think it could be a Blake Griffin type situation where you saw last year the Clippers begged Blake Griffin to stay. They mock retire his jersey. They put his name, I'm oh, sorry, they put his face on a t shirt that features uh, people like Martin Luther King and I, I don't even know who else was on that t-shirt, but just a lot of very, very notable people on the level of Martin Luther King and also Blake Griffin for just randomly on that on that t-shirt and saying, you know, you're going to be a clipper for life. We left, we lost Chris Paul, but it's going to be you. It's going to be you. And then they traded him at the trade deadline out of the blue to Detroit in the middle of winter from Los Angeles to Detroit. Um, you know, the, the business can be cruel and it's not just uh, trading DeRozan to the Spurs where, you know, he should be fine um, for a better player. They, they traded... Blake for Tobias Harris and Boban, who, who are more of a sideshow than they are an actual basketball show. Um, but yeah, I, I could definitely see Kevin Love getting moved in the sooner situation because I don't really know why they signed Kevin Love in the first place. Like it doesn't, he doesn't fit what they want to do. He's at thirty. He's injury prone. He's uh, on an expensive deal. Like the team is not going to compete. Like yeah, I think it helps to you know foster the development of uh, what's his name Colin Sexton a young point guard that they just drafted helps him to have a pick and roll partner like that open up space and makes him look better but long term I don't really see the need for Kevin Love and if a team swoops in and says hey man we really need a front court player you know by the way the Raptors could be that team the Raptors could be very well be that team that says hey we need a front court player obviously Kevin Love has his weaknesses but also Kevin Love people have won championships with Kevin Love right and gone to the finals many times Kevin Love so Clearly a quality player. So I could see Kevin Love being moved. And quite honestly, if the Spurs stuff goes really poorly, I could even see like a LaMarcus Aldridge getting moved. Or maybe even DeMar. Like, because the Spurs are a very iffy situation, I would say. So those are probably the the three guys I'd be probably looking out for. I don't really see anything happening in Portland. It really does seem like, based on the way Lillard tweets, that he's going to get the franchise money and he's going to get the huge mega deal and he's going to stay put and... Whether they trade CJ or not, I don't really see a reason for that. But, yeah, that's it. And I, I guess John Wall is also a trade candidate. But also, John Wall makes like $40 million and has bad knees. Like, I don't think anyone's touching that thing. I really don't. So, those are probably the guys I'm looking for. Butler, obviously. Love. DeRozan. 
Lamarcus, and um, who was the last guy I said? I don't know. Listen back. Uh, next one from Sandeep. Would you rather have OG start or Siakam start at the four, assuming Ibaka's off the bench, of course? Um, quite honestly, I think I would rather have OG start. And the reason for that is I don't foresee... I think Siakam is a better player at the moment, but I think in terms of what you need from that option, which is like basically be the fifth option, OG is a better fifth option than Siakam. I think Siakam, especially now that he has more ball skills, and we're seeing these highlight videos where he's going behind the back and crossing people over, you need the ball to do that, right? Whereas OG can thrive off the ball. He's a great corner shooter. Um, you know, he's really smart at cutting back door, and he's a decent offensive rebounder. He's got some putbacks. You know, OG's a guy that makes sense as a fifth option. Whereas Siakam, if you put him as a fifth option, it's kind of waste his skill set a little bit. So, yeah, I would rather start OG at the four. Now, granted, I think Siakam is a better player at that position because Siakam is bigger, um, more used to playing as a big man, has better instincts to rebound. I think OG really has to improve his rebounding to stick at the four long term. Um, but, yeah, I think... I would probably start OG. I just think it's the best use of his skill set. And then plus, like, Siakam with the bench, like, he's able to push the pace. So the bench now has three ball handlers between Siakam, DeLon, and Fred who can all uh, push and transition. That's going to be important because, you know, I don't think Ibaka is going to be pushing much. And a lot of nights he's going to be a little bit slower. So he's not going to be leading the break. He's going to be more of a trailer. But, yeah, Siakam makes a lot more sense with the bench. And I think the bench is more active. Well, I mean, I guess it, I was going to say the bench is more active defensively, but that, that was more true last year. This season with Kawhi and, and uh, with Danny Green, I think, you know, it might even help to put Siakam there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd just rather see Siakam come off the bench. I just think that he can be on the ball more. And, like, um, uh, like my boy Asad said, like, two, three pods ago, like, you know, you could see, like, a Lamar Odom type of trajectory with Siakam based on his size, based on his ability to handle um, and pass. Uh, for a man that size, then, like, yeah, Lamar Odom thrived as a six-man, and I think the Siakam can do the same. So I actually think Siakam's going to play more minutes than OG, despite OG starting, which is, you know, take that for what you will. But, yeah, I think it makes more sense to put OG because just, I just think he's a better fifth option. I think Siakam's a better third option. Next one from William Thompson. Should we be worried about the lack of rim protection? Seems like it's the only glaring hole at the moment. Um, but it could be explained in the playoffs. I agree. Um, my main issue with this roster is that we don't have a completely dependable defensive big man. Like, I would feel so much more comfortable if we had even a guy like Tristan Thompson on this team. I, I swear. Like, I know it's like both Ibaka and JV are better players than Tristan. But in terms of what necessarily works in the playoffs, we've seen it so much, right? Like, so much of Passman nowadays is about having rim protection, or not rim protection, but just having switchable, manageable matchups everywhere on the floor. It's such that you can't necessarily get people in bad positions. Um, and yeah, a lot of that is switchability. And I think the Raptors can switch. It's just the one guy they, they can't switch is the big man. Like, we don't have a good big man. We don't have like an Al Horford who can tie in and allow different schemes to be played and and still have a guy who could fit all those things we don't like Serge is supposed to be that guy he isn't that guy a lot of the times we saw that in the playoffs he had more turnovers and baskets for like a solid two weeks um JV is great offensively but 
you know, definitely exploitable defensively. And then Monroe is worse offensively and worse defensively. So those are issues. And maybe you want to go for small with Siakam at the five. But, I mean, are you going to rebuild the rebound enough? Or who are you going to put in with in terms of the wings? Like, there's a lot of questions. So, yeah, I think that's probably my main issue in terms of glaring weakness. I don't know about the rim protection specific. I think Kawhi is going to provide a lot of rim protection. And I just want to put this into context because maybe people um, haven't seen enough of Kawhi. Just sort of not even in highlights. I just mean like game to game. Like just seeing sort of the impact he has on games. So I'll just put it to you like this. Kawhi's wingspan is seven foot four. He has a longer wingspan than centers. Like he has a longer wingspan than Joakim Noah, which I mean, obviously Noah's, you know, pretty much waste at this point. But I mean, come on, that's a former defensive player of the year right there. He has a longer wingspan than a center who won defensive player of the year. He has a longer wingspan than a lot of centers in the league, man. So Kawhi's going to provide a lot of rim protection, um, both as a weak side help uh, guy and also just as a guy guarding his own man. Um, I think you have some rim protection with JV. I think his numbers are quite solid last year. He's really figured out how to use his body to deter shots, which um, is going to only improve because that's sort of the trajectory he's been on. Um, you know, you got to figure that Pascal takes a bit step forward a little bit more. And, um, you know, he brings something. Danny Green is also a guy that, you know, can protect the rim a little bit. Danny Green is not necessarily someone that will meet you at the rim, obviously. But he's actually really, really fantastic at transition defense. It's kind of odd. Also, by the way, don't sleep on this. Danny Green averaged 1.1 blocks per game last year as a shooting guard. That's pretty impressive and I think it really speaks to you know how much uh of a defender he can be as well so I think there's going to be so much better in terms of just like perimeter defense and also help defense that the traditional rim protection in terms of like thinking of like a Matambo or like a Biombo or something like that right like yeah you wish you had that but I think the need for it is a little bit less because you make up for it otherwise. But I just think that the main weakness is that they don't have a dependable five that can defend in all situations. I mean, shit, even if they had like a Biombo, if Biombo got bought out, which I guess is possible. I mean, the, the, the Magic really need to clear minutes in the front court. I would love to see Biombo come back on this team and just be that guy who, you know, for 10 minutes when the other team goes really small, you can put Biombo out there. He can rebound the shit out of the ball. He can switch. He can block some shots, and then, yeah, obviously he's not going to do anything. He's going to be a huge sinkhole offensively, but we've seen the Raptors manage around that, and we have a lot of shooting now, a lot more than we did in 2016. That'd be nice, right? Yo, come on, Jeff Holman, do the Raptors a favor and let Biombo walk, man. What are you going to do with Biombo anyway? Like, you have Mobama now. Like, you have Isaac, who's, you know, potentially a five as well. Like, just... You don't have minutes for Biombo. Just just buy him out, man. No one's going to trade for him either. Buy him out. Oh, I can't wait. Hold on. He's with uh, Charlotte now. Ah, shit. Actually, he could actually stay in Charlotte. I think Charlotte actually likes him. Um, well, that's that's sad. I mean, maybe Charlotte buys him out. Who knows? Next one from Niam. Um What are your thoughts on DeLon starting at the two spot to get increased playmaking since Kyle's only true playmaker in the starting lineup? I don't hate it. I just don't think that the Raptors can manage their rotation accordingly. Um, And what I mean by that is, okay, let's say you start DeLon, right? Who else is going to start? Is it going to be Lowry, DeLon, Kawhi, Serge, and JB? Or is it going to be OG instead of Serge? 
Like, okay, so that's one, right? Like, first off, you're getting Danny Green out of the starting lineup, which I think Danny Green actually fits a little bit nicer. Um, but, yeah, I think you will get more playmaking with DeLon and than you would, obviously, with a guy like Danny. Um, but I think the real issue is, like, you're leaving the bench really thin on playmaking. And I think the bench really works well because they're a really fluid unit. Like, when you see them play offense, it's like pass, swing, drive. That's it. Those are the only three things they're going to do and shoot, right? And, um, you know, like, you need two point guards, one on one side of the floor and one on the other side of the floor to constantly run this action because you're going to need to, if they trap or they try to hold up and, you know, overload one side, you need someone to basically – you know, be on the weak side and be ready to attack on the other side. And I think that works really well. The Raptors have consistently done this with two point guards. Um, and, you know, I just think that it doesn't work nearly as well if you put Danny Green on the second unit instead, because then you got two guys who are shooters and Danny Green and CJ off the bench. Only one guy who's a creator in Van Vliet who's smaller, so he gets traps a little bit better. And also, like, you yeah, Siakam can handle, but, like, he's not a point guard. Like, he's not... He's still setting screens more than he is handing the ball in the half-court scenarios. He's more of a point guard when it's an open floor. So I think it hurts the bench a little bit. I think it does help the starting unit maybe a little bit. But also, like, I still need to see a little bit more from DeLon Wright in terms of shooting. Like, Danny Green is a really, really solid shooter. He's been that way for a long time. He, you know, his, his statistics haven't necessarily um, been as high as they were previously. Like, he had... um four straight years where he shot above 40%, and then the last three years, he's fallen off a little bit, but still, he's a respectable three-point threat. 36% last year, 38% the year before. Teams are going to guard him out there, and I still think that teams are still, you know, when push comes to shove, they're willing to leave the lawn, and I don't know if the lawn can hit the type of the volume of threes that that um, that uh, Danny does, so I don't know. I, I, I'm not against it entirely. I just want to see how it works with those veteran guys. Because I kind of like the veteran core to start and then the young bench guys to come in. And it's it's a nice little uh, change of pace that the Raptors can do. Um, but, I mean, if it doesn't work, you know, you could shuffle around. That's the beauty of this lineup. They got tons of wings, and they can kind of mix and match until they find the right combo. And I think with Nurse coming in, I think he has said that he wants to experiment. And so I'm sure we'll see it at some point. But, um, yeah. Next one from Andrew. Which Raptor do you want as a sacrificial go daddy lamb this season? Oh man. Oh, okay, Pascal. Whatever you whatever you do, do not take that money. All right, that's cursed money. That's cursed money. Do not take it. If I, if I pick none of them. Will do go daddy commercials. I'm sorry. I'm sure go daddy. There's a great domain host site creator, whatever the it is. But um, yeah, I mean, look at the players that come through and right? get the go daddy thing. Bebe, he's got the team. He's not even in the NBA right now. Patrick Patterson, he's, I mean, he had an awful year in OKC, and he left too. Um, JV, the year he had GoDaddy, was a tough year for him. We traded for Surge because we couldn't rely on JV. Um, and then when he stopped doing the, JV, the GoDaddy commercials, he had a great year, probably his best year of his career last season, right? So the GoDaddy thing is uh, not great. Oh, yeah, Damari Carroll. You know, Norman Powell, like anyone that takes the GoDaddy money is is automatic curse. So hopefully nobody does. Um, if someone does take the GoDaddy money this year, man, can it be like Greg Monroe? Like, I mean, I know Greg Monroe probably has no marketability in Toronto. I'm sorry. No one recognizes him and stuff. But 
please be him because I like the rest of the guys so much. Like I really like them so so much. So <sighs> yeah. Just don't take the GoDaddy money, man. Please, please. MLSE, pay that money instead. <laughs> just do something else, man. It's just, it's just the history there is, is rough. Um, next one from Raps Fan One Two Three Seven. I'd also buy a Toronto home. Yeah, but you live out in Halifax, so it is what it is, buddy. Uh, which Toronto Blue Jay would have the best chance of making a G League team squad in open tryout? Um, so I think this is stemming from the fact that former Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman, I think, Carlo Koliakovo, tried out for the G League. I'm more interested in my co-host on the Pound the Rock podcast and also uh, occasional, uh, you know, guest appearance on this podcast, Joe Wolfon, because he also went to the G League tryouts, um, to write a story, but still, he participated in this stuff. So I'm more interested in that than I am in Carlo. But, uh, yeah, in terms of the Blue Jays, I mean, let me just pull up the Blue Jays roster because, like, I don't recognize any of these dudes right now. Because, uh, you know, this has just been such a disastrous year for the team. Pull up the active roster. Right off the bat, I would say Russell Martin. Russell Martin is a very versatile player, right? I mean, this guy's playing shortstop playing second base playing catcher and he's just a good athlete all around like really solid intuitive guy like you know he comes he goes out there someone's like oh is that fred van vliet oh no it's russell martin it's he's you know the montreal version of fred van vliet um i think yeah russell martin will probably be a real solid point guard you can see him being great defensively um pushing the pace being unselfish i can see him being a good shooter as well you know he's got that great arm which i don't even know if he has a great arm anymore i don't don't follow the blue jays it's too sad who else could make this team? Um, yeah, a lot of these guys are real short. Like, you know, who are these dudes, man? Kevin Pillar. Yeah, Kevin Pillar's got some hops. I could see Kevin Pillar doing it. Kevin Pillar would be like a norm type, though, you know? Like, he's trying to jump too much, trying to do too much activity, and ends up putting himself in bad situations. But, I mean, still, if, if, you, if you can jump like Kevin Pillar, chances are pretty good that you could play ball. He's only six foot tall, though. It's, it's, that's tough. Like, even if you can jump much, he's still a six foot tall guy. Yeah. Some of these pitchers, maybe. Aaron Sanchez. That guy's probably going to hurt going for a rebound. Yeah, I don't know, man. Not a lot of talent. Probably, oh yeah, probably Vlad Jr. That'd be nice. I'm sure Vlad Jr. could play ball. He's so talented. He could do anything. Call him up already. Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you don't want to start an arbitration clock. I don't know, man. Blue Jays is just super depressing, man. No, like There's like nobody going to these games. There's like 10,000 people at these games. Like... Jeez, this is tough. John Gibbons is going to get fired or he's going to leave the team. Like, ugh, man. They traded Josh Donaldson for literally a random creative player. Like, dude, I, I don't know. If you're still following the Blue Jays right now, like, God bless you, man. Because you got, you got better things to do in your life. Uh, 40 and Dunking asks, on a scale of 1 to 100, how unwatchable was the original Naismith Cup Raptors versus Grizzlies game that was showing on NBA TV this week? All right, so I've never seen that game. But uh, let me just look up the box score. Uh, Naismith Cup uh, Raptors Grizzlies box score. Um, because look, I, I'm not not I'm, I'm I'm not watched like the rest of you. Guys. <laughs> I did not see this, man. I did not see this. Um, yeah, I mean, I started watching basketball in 2004, so. 
All right, the original one was 1995. The Raptors won 98 to 77, but I don't see the box score here. Uh, so that was the inaugural season, and um, the Raptors didn't have good players in that that team except for who do they have? Damon Stoudemire, I guess. It's probably not a reason to watch basketball if it's just Damon Stoudemire. October 21. So wait, so what? That that wasn't even... Oh, that was a preseason game. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> so I'm looking for no reason. That was, a, that was played in preseason. All right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, the, the Grizzlies had terrible players. The Raptors had terrible players. I don't really see a good reason to watch this team other than, you know, uh, for the sake of celebrating basketball in Canada. And this is probably not the best way to celebrate basketball in Canada if we're talking about... Um, God, these this is just sad. This is just real sad. Vancouver Grizzlies. Who was on these teams, man? I'm gonna look them up. Oh, jeez, this is a blast from the past. Bryant Reeves, good lord. Aaron Williams, Raptors legend. He was on. Came to Canada twice. Anthony Peeler. All right, he's all right. Sharif Abdurrahim, most emptiest stats all-star ever. Greg Anthony, who, uh, I don't know, is on TV a lot for no good reason. Yeah, I don't know, man. This this is really sad. If you watch basketball this time, um, respect to you because, like, the, the Raptors roster and things like that. I mean, like, look at these names. Benoit Benjamin, all right. Yeah, he was washed up. Marcus Camby. As a rookie, he was nice, actually. I think he blocked, like, four shots a game. Again, I didn't see it happen. Popeye Jones, he's ugly, but he's got a great son now. Oliver Miller, hope he's okay, health-wise. Carlos Rogers. Yeah, I mean, I don't see a good reason to watch this team. So it must have been pretty terrible. I didn't see that game because I respect myself. Uh, Masonic Ramsey at Camouflage as does Butler... Being on the market hurt the Raptors more than it helps. Chances of another East team getting him and hitting the Raptors might be greater than the chances of the Raptors getting him and passing Boston slash approaching Golden State. I would say, ah, man. Okay, it's nice that the I don't feel like the Sixers have what it takes to get to get Butler right now because I don't think they can match the salary unless they trade... Because, like, what's J.J. Redick getting, making for, you know? Because J.J. Redick is making a lot more money than he should. It's He's uh, he's really lucked out in that situation. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if they have the amount of money to match. Okay, so he's making 12. So they got to make, they got to trade, like, him and Wilson Chandler. Um, and I guess we want a future pick for Butler. Which I, I don't even know if that necessarily pushes them over the top so much. Because if you take the ball out of... Um, Ben Simmons' hand, I don't think that helps. And Butler's definitely going to be a guy that commands the ball. So I don't really see the Philadelphia 76ers as a great trading partner. The Celtics, I think they could really use him, but I don't know if they want to make any trades right now. Also, they don't have, they're a team that doesn't have these big salaries that uh, would go the other way. Maybe they can trade like a Marcus Smart and some other pieces for him, but uh, Tibbs will have to want to take Marcus Smart, which, I mean, you figure he would. He's actually plays defense, but... 
you know, still, it's not a long-term deal. I don't know necessarily if Marcus Smart's necessarily the guy you want to take, a guy who hasn't shot 40% from the field. Um, but still, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I could see Boston getting him. But, I mean, also, this really does seem like Boston doesn't want to make a run on anybody. They want to just keep their team together. They want to focus on Kyrie and, you know, that could actually help with the Kyrie thing low-key because there's that report out there that Kyrie and Butler want to team up together and they want to go to New York. Um, but, I mean, do you want to double down on that and have two free agents leave your team with the same year? Or do you want to try to ride it out and, and keep things where they are and, and have your wings, you know, get there? Because, look, if you're not going to trade one of your wings to go get Butler, then what are you doing? Like, you have Brown, you have Tatum, you have Hayward, you have... Uh, Butler, like, there's, uh, you can't play those four guys together. You just can't. So I think there might be a little bit overkill. So I don't know if it really hurts the Raptors necessarily. I think chances are if Butler gets traded, he goes, he stays in the West. Like, I could see, you know, actually a, a little bit of a crazy move I would like to see is, like, if Portland decided to say, you know what, we got to get off the treadmill. We got to, you know, have courage like the Raptors and, you know, admit something when it doesn't work and trade like CJ or CJ uh, McCollum for him. You know, one year, okay, you you know, you get you get Butler, maybe you get an additional asset, and you try to go for it, like really go for it, like because I think you know Butler would fit way better with uh, with Portland than than McCollum does. And you know what? If you lose them, you lose them. It's like this DeRozan thing. You weren't doing anything with them anyway in the first place. You're just getting stuck in the same place, getting disappointed, right? So. Yeah, I think if Butler gets moved, I think he stays in in the West. Next one from Dragon Lord. Am I the only one thinking Danny Green, getting Danny Green in the Kawhi deal is going to have a bigger impact than people realize? I don't know what a bigger deal necessarily means. Like, I think people are appropriately reacting to the Danny Green thing, which is he's a veteran. He's you know he's been a good spokesperson. He's on TSN. Clearly has some media ambitions. You know, you know Danny Green, pull up on this podcast, please. Um. But, yeah, I think people are reacting appropriately to the Danny Green thing. I, in terms of, like, bigger impact, I think Danny Green as a player is who he is. I think we've seen what Danny Green is, right? Like, he's a consistent 3 and D player um, and not too much else beyond that. He's 30 years old, so I don't really see a new part of his game. If 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 there is a bigger impact, then I think that's probably just his relationship with Kawhi and him speaking on behalf of Kawhi and stuff like that. And him making Kawhi feel comfortable, but I don't really know the necessarily the nature of the relationship. I know they worked out together um, in San Diego over the last couple of weeks. That's good, right? And it's nice to have a friendly face. Um, but I don't think Danny Green's the reason why Kawhi is going to stay or anything like that. So I don't know, man. It's a big deal because Danny Green's a good podcaster. We'll say that much, and he's a good player. But I, I think people are reacting appropriately to Danny Green. Uh. Ryan asks, would Jimmy Butler even fit in Toronto, like, in terms of play style and touch and stuff like that? That's a good question because I think Butler is uh, a high-usage guy. Also a guy that is a little bit low-key prickly. Like, man, this guy has um, not necessarily been super well-liked by his teammates. He seems to get into some quarrels, and he seems to be a bit of a hard-ass more than anything else. But you can't argue with a guy who plays as hard as he does and has a biggest as big of an impact as he does like last season butler was a fantastic fantastic player um you know net rating of 13.1 in terms of on off rating uh outscored opponents by 8.6 points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor he was averaging 23 what was the average 22 
five and five with two steals, like fantastic numbers. And uh, and that was with him not scoring the ball very much to, to begin the season. He really took control of that team when he realized Andrew Wiggins is a waste man. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I think Butler's going to demand a lot of the ball, and I think it's going to be a little bit tough to accommodate that. However. Lowry doesn't necessarily need to have the ball nearly as much as he does nowadays. And he can he's become such a good off-ball player that I think he can thrive around anybody. We've seen him adapt this game in Team USA and stuff like that. So I don't really see an issue. And he's already got his money and everything like that. He's got his accolades. I don't think he's worried about his numbers. I think he's happy just being what he is. And I think less of Kyle Lowry is always going to be more efficient than Kyle Lowry because he is a really nice player. He knows how to play off the ball. It's not like when you if you would marginalize, like, let's say, a DeRozan. That would have been a different scenario because he doesn't really have the rest of his game to fall back on. Kyle Lowry does. Um, and it's more of an issue that's Butler, is it, Butler able to share touches with Kawhi. And I think both of them are shoot-first kind of guys. Butler does have a bit of playmaking. Butler has averaged um, over five assists per game over the last three seasons. But... Um, he's also had a ton of the ball over that time. He's played a ton of minutes as well. So it's not really that impressive that he's had that five assists. And Kawhi's never been a guy that even averaged four assists a game. So, you know, the two of them are going to have to figure out how to create for each other. But I think ultimately, like, it would be a scenario where the defense is going to have an issue of do we put our best defender on Kawhi or Danny Green? because Or, or sorry, um, Jimmy Butler. Because you don't really have both those guys together so i think you're probably overthinking it right like there's going to be an advantage somewhere someone's always going to be going up against a weaker defender and um i think they're decent enough both as playmakers to fit like we've seen a lot of two wings um teams work together it just has someone has to be able to shoot off the ball and it's, it's nice in this case because butler's a decent shooter off the ball but quiet really is a great shooter off the ball and he's learned how to play off the ball because he remember when he first came into the nba he was strictly an off-ball player he wasn't really a guy that he was like og basically right like he sits in the corner you know and then eventually became better at spotting up and moving around and shooting but it was only later in his career when he started adding all this isolation and handling the ball and stuff like that and he became a full you know complete player um but he doesn't he still he hasn't lost those skill sets he can still play off the ball so i think you might be overthinking him man i think yeah butler would fit just fine in toronto obviously his numbers might not be as big as they were elsewhere but i think butler is also a guy that wants to win like he's Made the playoffs a couple times, uh, both in Chicago and also in Minnesota. Um, but he hasn't gotten that far. He hasn't really made a serious push, right? Like, he's made the playoffs in six straight seasons. And, you know, the last two years he was bounced in the first round. 2014-15, they got lost in the second round. 2013, he lost in the first round. 2011, they lost in the first round. 2012, um, they lost in the second round. Like, he hasn't, he's hit a defined ceiling right and so i think he would see the benefit of playing with someone as good as Kawhi in a situation as, as good as toronto i think he would really relish that and you think he would actually take it quite well he's a winning player man he really is and then lastly from north cape if uh, in your opinion would you care if the raptors do nothing in the playoffs but re-sign Kawhi? uh no i don't i don't care i really don't care i think that this is this year is going to be meaningful, but it's meaningful in terms of like a step over, like a step towards a bigger thing. Because once you have one of these top five players, it changes the entire equation for you, man. It does. It changes the entire equation. People are going to want to come to Toronto and play with Kawhi. And um, 
So, yeah, that's more important. Because I don't think the Raptors are going to win the championship this year anyway. I think it will be great. I would love to see the Raptors do all in the playoffs. I would love to see them go to the finals. I'd love to see them put up a respectable fight for once. And then, you know, people won't make fun of the Raptors as much. They'll see it more of a DeRozan problem than as a Kawhi problem. I'm not trying to paint DeRozan as a problem. I'm just saying, like, it's not necessarily the meme of Toronto being disappointed in the playoffs can hopefully go away. Um, you know, not entirely. It's not going to entirely go away. But... You know, hopefully it dies down a little bit. And, um, yeah, but I don't think the Raptors are going to beat Golden State. I mean, like, look at Golden State. That, that team is ridiculous, right? Like, they got two players better than Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, but, yeah, I Kawhi getting re-signed is the number one goal of the season. And hopefully everyone is not too awkward for everyone else because it is weird to just accommodate a new guy like that even – if this team had a ton of success, but I mean, hey, man, once you trade Kyle, once I once you trade DeRozan, and once you let go of Dwayne Casey after the years they had, anything's on the table, man. Anything's on the table, and uh, Kawhi is the new, a new number one in town, and so it's a way of life, you know. You cater to number one, so that does it for the podcast. Um, by the way, a shout out to. Um, Gabriel for coming up with some new music that uh, that's what you've heard in the intro that's what you heard in the outro I would love to hear your thoughts on that uh, maybe just you know send it to me on Twitter instead of leaving in the comment section just in case you know people get offended but I think it's good I think it's good and I think uh, almost anything would have been an upgrade over what was there before with that weird little plucky noise and so shout out Gabriel for um, sending in that song and if you guys like it let me know um so, and if you do, check out Gabriel SoundCloud, man. SoundCloud.com slash G-A-B-R-I-E-O-U. Gabriel? I don't know. I just felt like I need to spell that because I don't think that was obvious. But, um, yeah, shout out to him for coming up with that song, man. So, that does it for the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And then next week, we are going to have a reaction podcast from Friday when Kawhi goes to the podium. We're going to have an honest-to-goodness basketball chat Next Sunday, as always, I think the Raptors uh, weekly extra podcast with Zerari is going to be more of a fixture of the season. So that's great. I love hearing Zerari. I mean, if you haven't already, uh, his interview with Tim Chisholm was really good. That came out on Thursday. They kind of took a bigger picture look, but um, those guys are wiser, way wiser than I am. I'm more reactionary than anything else because um, I'm younger. But, you know, they're, they, they've they seen the team and followed the team for a long time. So, I mean, I'd love to get in their perspective, but they had a great conversation about that on Thursday. Um, and also, I think we're going to get a guest. I mean, like, I keep saying that. I keep really saying that. But I have a, I think there's going to be a very special guest coming out on the podcast this coming week. Hopefully everything is, is handled and we can, you know, make all the timing work and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be a ton of podcast content. There's going to be a ton of content on Raptors Republic. So keep it locked there. And, um as always, thank you to you guys. Thank you to you guys for listening, and we'll be back with all that content next week, baby. Raptors, it's it's about to get real.